How's it going, everybody? You're listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Bernstein, and on today's show, we have got legendary beat poet Jack Kerouac and legendary Russian author and playwright Anton Chekhov. It was a fascinating talk. If you like the episode, be sure to check out the performers. You can check out Jack Kerouac at his blog. Actually, it's robpenty.org.com, so all that stuff is spelled out. And uh, at his storytelling show, In Your Own Words, at the Magnet Theater, and his improv team, Sexy Baby, at the Magnet Theater every Wednesday. And you can check out Anton Chekhov on Twitter at gr8h8m underscore t3chl3r. That is a pain in the ass to say. And he also does characters welcome at the UCB Hell's Kitchen. You should check all that stuff out. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear the latest episodes of Famous Dead People, check out uh, Radio Free Brooklyn every Monday at 3 p.m. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Buy my book, The Hell and Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. And check out JarrettBankson.com for all the latest updates on upcoming shows and projects. And the videos have started dropping, guys. Every Tuesday, there'll be a new video. Those will be up on my Facebook fan page and also on my YouTube. So check that out. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy Anton Chekhov and Jack Kerouac only on Famous Dead People. It's time. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. People you know. Famous dead people. Stories stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 19th century Russian playwright and short story writer, famous for works such as The Seagull, Uncle Vanya, and The Cherry Orchard, Anton Chekhov. Hello. And 20th century American poet and novelist, most well-known for his novel On the Road, Jack Kerouac. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Mr. Kerouac, Mr. Chekhov, thank you so much for joining us on Famous Dead People. Thank you for having us. Very, very happy to be here. Now, uh, I'd like to start off with some broad strokes for my listeners who may or may not be familiar uh, with both of your work. Uh, so let's start off with you, uh, Mr. Kerouac. Sure. So you are a pioneer of the beat generation of writers. And I'd love to hear how you define what beat is, what the what the beat generation is. The Wikipedia describes it as a rejection of standard narrative values, the exploration of world religions and experimentation with drugs and sexual liberation. Is that how you would describe it? Is there anything that you would change or add to that definition? That's pretty broad, man. I mean, so the look, beat just means like beat down. We were pretty beat down, mm, right? Like, yeah. so we were just these sort of beat down kids in uh, New York in the 50s. And uh, for the most part, like we were just hanging out with hookers and hustlers and going to like <laughs> Times Square. Pretty much, I was drunk all the time. Yes. Yeah, we all were, right? Okay. Uh, so as much as we inspired, you know, hippies and all that stuff, like, yeah, for the most part, my experience of it was really kind of being just downtrodden. So who who was like, who who had their foot on your neck? Like, who was really dragging you down? You're a, you're, you're a, you're a white kid from a middle-income family, you know. Lower middle-income. Uh, no, lower middle-income, yeah. you know, and... Uh, you know, certainly, you know, this is not a uh, this is not a struggle contest. You know, obviously, sure, there'll sure. be people who are better off and worse off. You know, but yeah. this is also, you know, like right after uh, uh, you guys are coming to age, like right after the war, basically, exactly, and yeah. things are should be as easy as they're ever going to get for a white guy in this country, right? That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I just think that I rejected. I didn't want to move to the suburbs and have a family. Oh, I wanted yeah. to be. You know what I'm saying? That's what everybody was doing. Mm. I wanted to explore the world yeah all of it yeah and every and everyone society's just telling you exactly don't do that exactly don't that's, do it that's why i went on the road that's my <laughs> book that's the title of my book uh on the road uh that is it makes a great gift very savvy how you slid that in yeah there. you know i mean gotta brand yourself extremely that's, extremely savvy marketing yeah. there uh thank you now there is a story that says that you actually created the term uh while having a conversation with another beat author you're trying to describe what uh, you know, he he was using the word beat to describe someone who was broke and didn't have a job. Yeah. And well, almost like a dead beat, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And then you said, quote, 
I'm beat to my socks. Is that right? Yeah, I totally said that. You said uh, that. Yeah, exactly. And then then that's where the, the the term sort of like spun out and sort of became the way that everybody defined the artist in this generation, right? Did you guys always talk like that? What's that? <laughs> Did you just say things like that all just the beat, time? Beat down to my socks? Yeah, what that's What okay. do you it's, mean? It's a really hip way to describe myself. Anton yeah, Chekhov, exactly. what do you mean by that exactly? Just, like, uh, oh, we're all, we're all fly, de- fly dead and, and <laughs> all jazzed through. <laughs> I, I, it's just, it's very hard to, to get a sort of baseline of, of, uh, are, can you have any kind of vocabulary sheet or something I should know about before we have this this conversation? I'm sure there were a lot of daddios. Yeah, man. And... It was just very inspired by, you know, jazz and hip mm. street lingo, right? Yeah. Just sort of, just, man, we were just, just these are, these we were the words. slinging words out of our pants. Antoine, you know what I'm saying? Check, That's Antoine, just... These are the words of the prostitutes and the pimps and the drug addicts okay. we're using All right. on the streets put, of New York. I don't want to come out swinging too hard with antagonism, <laughs> but I, I do not want to hear any, oh, this... Anton, this is what prostitutes were like. Yeah, yeah. Anton Chekhov knows what prostitutes were well, like. Well, listen, I know you were a doctor, yeah. you know, and like you you helped a lot of poor people kinds of with poor their people. with their illnesses and stuff I like that. I know from poor but, people. But you weren't like in the scene like Jack Kerouac was, you exactly. know? Like like you were sort of like lofty above. Well, oh, oh, please come and I'll I'll heal your wounds and I'll take I'll make sure that you have medicine. Oh, I would never make them come to me. I would always go to them. <laughs> Or the very and that's kind the of big difference. That's I was very on nice the road in my own way. Ooh, interesting. Two artists, two great writers, both on the road. It's well, I, 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 can we just? Uh, only I wrote a book called On the Road. But you know, An- wanna... Anton, he did this whole trip out to a uh, to like a convict colony. Oh yeah, to did do interviews oh, with all I those had people. That up my sleeve well, during this whole. Did you this ever whole think that you would title that? Because you wrote about that. You did you ever think about calling that On the Road? That no. would be a great title I for that. I thought about calling it In a Prison. <laughs> But then I decided that just describing kind of what you're doing is not, I don't know. It's not for me. I like, you don't think that's writing. What is the, what is this? This Mm. is a cherry orchard. How many sisters? Three (laughs) sisters. I see. I see. What kind of bird is that? A seagull. A seagull. seagull. No, the seagull. The seagull. The only one I care about. Gotcha. (laughs) The only one that was around. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to know just before we get off of this topic of like what a beat is and everything. Yeah. Uh, so you have you're having coffee with this other author. He's like, ah, uh, this this beat is a dude who uh, doesn't have a job and doesn't have any money. And you're yeah. like, I'm beat down to my socks. Beat down to my socks. But the thing is, like that word doesn't. <laughs> I was picking up on that eye roll, Anton Chekhov. Anton, uh, you said you don't want to be antagonistic. Yeah. I'm getting a little. You're yeah. throwing some shade I'm sorry, at me. I'm Your sorry. face tells I'm a different sorry. story. Exactly. I'm I just. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's how beat I am. Ooh, I'm beat, yeah, beat down to the soles of my shoes. Is everybody that I hears just, Jack Kerouac talk just gives him nothing? Just gives him nothing but guff. Eye rolls and it's just condescension. That's what, that's what beat is. That's how I'm beat down. <laughs> when I'm you're beat. so pretentious that nobody can stand hanging out with you, you're that's beat. your beat, man. <laughs> you're beat. <laughs> you are beat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did. You know what? I read the first couple chapters. I liked. I liked what I saw. All right. I liked what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, So yeah, what I wanted to ask was that that word that that word that describes that whole generation doesn't have a life unless people keep using it after that first time that you coin it. Yeah. And so were you both sitting there like, ooh, that's good. We should like use that more, or were there? There are people listening who were like, "Ooh, I like that," and then they kind of spun it out. I think I think people took it. People, people yeah, took it. People took it, and they sort of took my thing and just made their own. Like all these damn frou frou poets out in San Francisco, like Gary <laughs> Snyder and like all that stuff. Like they're now calling themselves Real the Beat Generation. Inside and, baseball here. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and I just. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. So if you're not the one progenitoring, uh, you know, pushing this out there, yeah. were you just like walking around the streets of New York like weeks later and people are talking about beat poets and you're like, you're like, oh, that's funny. I was just talking to that other other about beat. I was like, wait, I was like, well, hold up. Where'd you hear that word? <laughs> Where did you hear that word? W- which prostitute told you that word? I want to know because I was just having this conversation with, uh, I believe the guy was John Cleland Holmes, yes, who I wrote so. uh, the novel Go. Mm-hmm. I always resented sure. him for that. It's it's called the first beat novel, uh, and he was just like an 
a tertiary member of of the group. Of the beat group. Exactly. Yeah. And he it was, was you, it was Ginsburg. And William S. Burroughs. 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 That's the crew. That's that's the 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 beat pack right exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, wow. And so then you had Lucian to like, Carr. You had to find the the patient zero of who was spinning. Of who yeah, out, who yeah. took my who, who took my concept. It. Who leaked it. Yeah. It sucked. Fascinating. And then I had to deal with that for the rest of my life. Everybody's like, what do you think about the beat generation, Jack? It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Steve Allen. I don't know. I don't know. Just let me read my book. That's oh, wow. all I want to do. Everybody, we should all go to the Museum of uh, Television and Radio after this and find that interview we're talking about. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll get a little taste of that. I'm pretty sure uh, Steve done. Allen plays a piano <laughs> while I read my book. Let's, uh, uh, let's go over to Anton Chekhov sure. for just a moment. So Hello. also, let's do some broad strokes of Anton Chekhov Please. so people can get a taste. Uh, you know, you were, you were described as one of the seminal figures in the birth of modernism That's in nice. theater. Uh, <laughs> and you have said mm-hmm. that your plays are, quote, theater of mood. That's and right. so I'm wondering how you, how you feel like that reflects your work. Like, how is the Siegel, the birth of modernism, how is the cherry orchard, the theater of mood? Like, if you could just expand on that for a little bit. I'd be more than happy to. I mean, I think a, a, a big thing about the idea of the theater of mood is I want... I, I don't like when people are happy. Mm, I, it's boring. To, okay. It's so boring. <laughs> a lot of things are boring to me, and I think that's going to come up uh, throughout the conversation. Very that, modern. But I it's like very it. modern, I, mm-hmm. I, I think. But it's just, I, I would go see plays. I would go I would, I would go out to the theater. I, I would sort of get hassled out. My girlfriend would be like, oh, come on. And we said we got these tickets three weeks ago. We said we'd go. And I'd be like, oh, okay. So your, your girlfriend is hassling you to take her to the theater, not to like one of your shows, no, but just like no, to no, the no. theater in general. No, no, no. I would never go see one of my own plays. But, uh, <laughs> and then to get there, and it would be like, oh, you know, oh, we, just, we just found a bunch of pirate's gold. This is in the play. To distribute it amongst our friends. We can all buy ourselves hundred coin hats. This and is I'm the like, play. This doesn't reflect the seeing? Russia that I know. <laughs> I, it's basically the play that I was seeing. This doesn't reflect the struggle of the people. So plays in Russia at the time, the things that thing that your your material was sort of like rallying against were there was no like conflict. It was just people getting good fortune upon good fortune and then sharing that with everybody? <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, wow. that's what that's what Russian literature was known for, for right? I mean, for well, yeah. centuries. So let's Surely see, we uh, can agree on this, I right? mean, I, I'm not a student of, uh, of Russian theater, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Uh, and I haven't had a lot of other Russian yeah. authors it's on. 400 years of... Of hundred coin hats, everybody then, being really happy. Yeah, exactly. And then they, I come along. And the the curtains open, and it's like, oh my god, we have such a great wheat harvest. <laughs> that means that everybody gets boring, some. Boring, boring, boring. And then boring. they just distribute it for the rest of the, and then everybody eats it, and they're so full and happy. That and sounds they, like a really bad play. Mm-hmm. Well, really that, bad. You're saying that's what Russian agree. work yeah. was back and then. And so then I come and I crack this whole thing wide open. If you'll <laughs> allow me to permit myself to brag for a little bit, where it's like, okay, it's, what if instead curtain curtains up right. on for middle class people who don't need to work mm. and uh, have some kind of project they're tinkering away on, but it, it's not really getting done, and uh, one offers to get the other one some tea, and the other one goes, uh, okay. <laughs> they say they sound happy, but you know they're actually sad. See, so that's the thing. That's that's what I bring Ooh. to the table. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I'm happy to get that, but you know, oh god, they're not happy to get that at all. Interesting, interesting. And so this mood. is this is modern, or this is the mood, mood that you're going for. Yeah, mood. And you're specifically looking for bad moods. You want you want people to walk away with bad moods. Uh, I want people to walk away thinking like, was there a point to not only us going to see the play, but remaining alive? After the, essentially the age of 18, After I guess. 18. <laughs> yeah. Was there a point to all so of this? So if somebody's alive past the age of 18, you want them to walk away from their your play thinking. Oh, I really, why, why, I really why are we even alive? It. I really blew it. Why are we alive? Yeah, yeah, This exactly. is dumb. Okay, I feel that. I feel that. I mean, you have, I've heard that you describe, I mean, people that go see your plays, they describe them as dramas. They're like, they're heavy. They're people are in love, unrequited love. Ish. You know, there's a very famous suicide at the end of one of your plays. (laughs) Wait, which play? Is that Seagull? Oh, spoiler alert. Do we... Uh, Was it the Seagull or the Cherry? I forget which one. Oh, the Seagull ends with a big old bang. That's right. Big old bang. (laughs) You know, somebody said, and I forget who, Mm -hmm. that if you put a gun up on the mantle in the first act, by the end of the play... 
uh, you need to shoot somebody with that. This gun. is a personal interesting. Attack. This is interesting. A personal so attack. here's the thing: there's is no that, way. There is literally <laughs> no way you didn't know that was me. <laughs> what? There is oh, no, no, no way you didn't. No, it's know just that a saying. It's feels, a saying that feels a little salty. It's Jack a, it's no, a, no, no, no. <laughs> all right, that's all right. some it, sort of general idiom people throw around. I thought it was. I thought it was. Don't you remember in that saying that the gun on the mantle has a name? They specifically call that gun. Yeah, a revolver. No, they call it the Chekhov's gun that's on the mantle. I don't remember that. I don't okay, recall that. That's right, me. Well, okay. I'm Chekhov. Well, I'm the Chekhov from the gun. Well, then that makes sense. Can that's I you, great. Can I actually ask you about that, Chekhov? Because Knock I'm thinking out. that if there's a gun on the mantle, like surely there are decorative guns that you don't use. Uh, like, yeah, other, if like, I have, other like, than the mantle. Like, would if there I be... have like a Civil War gun or something that, you know, I'm like, ooh, look at this historical piece that's on my mantle. Like, okay. maybe it doesn't even fire. Well, you know? let me... Some, everything has to be used, even some a chair? clarification on the term. Okay. I always meant, people say, you know, essentially what you've said. I always thought two meanings, right? Mm. One, you know, use ele- every element of the play, have it fulfill its promise to the audience. Yada, yes, yada, yada, yes, right? yes. Yeah. Indeed, yes. And two, y- you're going to have to make that gun fire, and you're just going to have to... F- figure it out. So I understand you might be saying, oh, is it a replica? Is it cleaned? Is it loaded? Who Mm. has the bullets? Where is it? You know what I mean? That's not my problem. Mm. You know, if you're, if you're directing one of my plays, if you're acting one of my plays, you you, got to kind of sort that all out for yourself. All that's important to me is if I get that boom, boom stick on stage, (laughs) I want that stick to go boom, boom. I don't want, and no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay, all right. I see what you're saying. I mean, how much do you really want me to do? I got to Does that be fired? That's, that's Allen Ginsberg. If if I put Wait, the boom, if I put the boom boom stick on stage, I want the boom boom stick to go boom. I'm pretty sure Alan Ginsberg was that said a that famous first. Ginsberg quote. Yes, it is. Oh my god! Oh, was that was that in Howl? That's yeah, Ginsberg, it's, right? It's how it's how Howl opens. I will <laughs> fully admit the 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 irony of me chewing out you for made up weird <laughs> phrases and then referring to a gun as a boom boom as a stick. boom boom stick. I'm I think nothing that's fair. if not oh, that's fair. fair. Yes, fair. Yeah. fair. Anton Chekhov is fair. That was his other idiom. Uh, but yeah, could you use the gun for other things, like to stir something, or like you know, could you could you fire it in the air, like yeehaw, yeehaw? Kind sure, of sure, sure. Those are all acceptable ways. Still yeah, firing nothing, nothing, it. Though. No element of the play is expendable. You can't take anything out. Mm. And if that's if you have a big pot of okay, so I this was a tacit. You're you're sort of trapping me into talking about the early play that I don't like to talk about, uh, which is the big pot of soup. <laughs> You know what? I'll admit, I apologize. I, I hadn't necessarily. I apologize. I try not quote, to do. Quote unquote, ironed out the kinks of the whole I gun tried, thing. I try not to do a lot of gotcha journalism on this show, but I just felt like we were sort of like leading there. So yeah, let's That's talk fair. about let's talk about your your play, your famous first play, The Big Pot of Soup. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 20th century American poet Jack Kerouac. Hey there. And 19th century Russian playwright Anton Chekhov. That me. Uh, and who has begrudgingly agreed to talk about his first play, The Big Pot of Soup. So yeah, what happened there, man? What was going on? I what? bet it was happy as hell. <laughs> it's just the like, the, thing, like the happiest There's no damn way play. to end the play without soup. Mm-hmm. If you promise soup's yeah. going to get made, you're at the very least going to end up with a big pot of soup that everyone's going to get to have. Because here's the thing is that I read in the in the Wikipedia that people left there really upset and really hungry because they went in having not eaten, expecting, expecting to, to, a, to be fed with soup. Is that is that not the case? Is that really what happened? I, it was a... A error in marketing on top of everything else <laughs> but no i that was the problem is that i backed myself into the corner if i knew even if i miserable up the rest of the whole thing mm-hmm. even if i have that gun in there that gun just sort of i worked into a corner i had to use the gun to stir the soup and no matter what no matter how miserable everybody else is no matter how kind of torn up about this the state of the world the state of their lives what happened how did we get here what did what are you do what are we doing what are we gonna do at the very least they had the soup. <laughs> Gotta have and some soup at the end of this. It looked good. The way yeah. they made it, it looked good. Yeah, and it was a fail. It was a massive failure. The critics hated it. Everybody was start was really hungry afterwards. Harsh, harsh. And that's the yeah. thing is, like, if 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 you're a critic and you're leaving a show hungry, then you're just automatically in a bad mood. Doesn't matter yeah. if you loved the content. Exactly. You're I never put be food cranky. in any of my plays again. Yeah, it's very wise. Yeah. Uh, let's go back over to uh, Jack Carroll for just a moment. Sure. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your early life. So you're born in 1922. Correct. In Lowell, Massachusetts. That's correct. Uh, and it seems as though you had a very spiritual side to you, even right, you know, right, right at the very get go. Uh, your older brother, of course, dies when you're four years old. Uh-huh. You believe that he was your guardian angel throughout your life. After that. 
There's also the story from when you were six that I wanted to ask you about sure. where you go to confession. Uh-huh. And while you are there, you're saying your rosary is part of confession. Uh, you hear God tell you that you will suffer in life and die in pain and horror, but right. in the end receive salvation. Is that correct? Well, yeah, that's what all Catholics hear. God, yeah, I mean, that's I'm, I'm a Catholic, so that's very standard for all Catholics hear that. Pretty much about around the age of six, when you're praying for the first time, you're doing your rosary. Yeah, you receive some sort you of know, message like that. I was raised Catholic, and I feel I feel left out because I feel like I didn't get my really uh, God telling me that my life would be suffering and I would die in horrible pain and agony. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, but maybe that's just a generational thing, you know. Could be, yeah. I, mean, I wasn't born until uh, the late 70s. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, definitely, like, especially in, you know, sort of, like, working class Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, and my parents were both French-Canadian. And uh, yes. they were very, just barely spoke the language. They just communicated to me in slaps. You know what I mean? It's just sort of, that's... that's uh, You're talking about slaps to your body? Or do you like, mean that, way, like, the way a, a beat poet would mean Exactly, slaps. yeah. It's, that's, that's part of, like, when, you know, when... That came from childhood, mm. that whole thing of like clapping sort with Sort of snaps. like a Morse code almost? A little bit, yeah. Gotcha. But no, but I, what I mean is they beat me. Gotcha, and gotcha, oh, gotcha. beat again. See, so beat is a oh. theme in my life. I, they beat me down to my socks. Oh my God. Um, so, which is probably where I got that uh, phrase from. <laughs> um, Subtext. I'm sure yeah. it's layers. It's a it's, delicate web. It is. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a very uh, wide web of my life. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so... That's basically, I've always had that spiritual side to me. Mm. Um, and I've sort of believed in my own talent and my own uh, voice as an artist. Uh, the other the other word that uh, the beat generation means is uh, beatific, as in like Ooh. saintly, right? Oh, yeah. So sort of uh, with the downtrodden, there is also... Um, a holiness, a, holiness, a grace, exactly. if you will. To, so when you're saying I'm beat down to my socks, I am holy. I'm man. both beat I'm in the world, as but holy as fuck. Mm. Exactly. Yes. Can I ask you, not, I don't sure. want to keep on harping on on the road here, Yeah. but does on the road have a second tier meaning the same way that beat can mean uh, beaten down, but also holy and full of grace? Well, on the road, literally, because I was on the road. You were traveling. Right, yes. but on the road of life, right? So... <laughs> Cool. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because Certainly you know, couldn't see that. Life is a life is a highway. It's pretty. I don't. Dense. I forget who said that. Oh uh, man, but, whoever yeah, exactly. knew that one phrase could hold two <laughs> such different meanings? Yeah, exactly. It's a very, it's very oh, complex man. and very poetic. Oh, so it's boy. sort of, it's like two. Yeah, it's like so many, literally on the so road. So many ninth grade English <laughs> English classes. Exactly. Minds yeah, yeah, being yeah. blown. Right I know now. it's I, it's hard for a lot of people to grasp that concept, mm -hmm. uh, but it's that's why uh, I don't know. That on the, ro on the road's a classic. It's like a hundred years of solitude. Dense. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's a pretty heavy thing for a child to hear. The God to say you're going to die in suffering and horror. But you're saying that that was so common, like you left confession and were like, God just told me I'm going to die with suffering and horror. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, that's just sort it. of, that's yeah, it's just part of church. And it's frankly. always vague like that. Like it never says specifically, just like there's going to be horror and suffering and pain. Yeah. I mean, that, hmm. I just think that's what life is. You know, mm. it's just a series of trials. Interesting. Really Interesting. starting to like you. <laughs> really coming around. I really want to get back to that in just a moment. But let's go over to uh, Anton Chekhov. Sure. Uh, so you were born, let's talk about your early life. Uh, you were born oh, in southern Russia in a go. town called Taganrog. 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 Yeah. Nailed it. First 1860. Try. Yep. Thank you very much. Good Wikipedia year. describes your father as abusive. I did not like Later that in life. Guy. Uh, yeah. You criticized one of your brothers for displaying similar characteristics, and bit, you said yeah. to your brother, quote, remember the horror and disgust we felt when father threw a tantrum at dinner over too much salt in the soup and called mother a fool. Is that right? I'm starting to see where the soup thing <laughs> I was going to say, from. yeah. Like, why? Didn't of think course, about that. Didn't think about of that. Of course that's going to be now. your first play. We Unbelievable. Are, we are an interview show, but there are also people, you know, it gets real. People start to uh, unpack real, some yeah. things on this show. A lot know? of things that you just, yeah, you didn't well, see. We're learning about the beat carryover. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Soup carryover. Mm -hmm. we, what we all find out is that we all have issues with our parents that get, you know, uncovered throughout the show. Okay. There have yeah. been a lot of people who have cried is that, on the is show. Is that what the show... I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to listen to any of the other... Oh, that's is totally that, fine. Is it's that not what a very, it's about? It's is not that, a very good show, so don't worry about <laughs> is it. Is that what you do? You, you kind of drag up parental trauma from the different uh, people you... It's not interview? a policy, but okay. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I would say about 10% of the people that I have on 
you know, they cry a little bit when they unpack some of their feelings and deep emotional uh, turmoil from their past. Oh, okay. you know, but that's, you know, like I said, it's an option that we have on the table at Jack. That's I'd available love it. to yeah. you as well. Yeah, definitely. Unpack some stuff. I'd yeah, love to unpack cry some on this. Stuff. Probably going to take you up on that too. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So this soup thing, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, it, was it a solitary incident? Like the one time Every night. that your and dad. You're t- I didn't, I, w- I don't want to make it her fault, obviously, but it was <laughs> like, I, I was frustrated at a certain point. I was too young, you know, when you're a child. You don't really know how to articulate these mm. things. I was like, just, 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 skip the, the salt, just skip the salt entirely. But, but uh, is it too much, too much salt in the soup. Is that what it was? Is it said? It was either too much or it was not Too much salt in the soup. Just don't put any salt just in the soup. Just don't put any salt in the soup. You know, and let's well, I also, I don't want to judge your, your upbringing, but maybe just say, hey, mom, skip the soup. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. You never, you do not come. Oh, I wait, tell wait, wait, her. Wait, wait, I tell I'm sorry. Separate. Right. 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 Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was totally my fault. I'm very sorry. Uh, I want to thank my, uh, my bodyguard, uh, <laughs> Uh, Turbo, Turbo, thank you for separating those guys. I have them here. It can get it can get a little bit like Jerry Springer on this show sometimes. That was uh, that was totally my fault. I apologize. Andrew. Yeah, and uh, but it's okay. You know, Turbo handled that diplomatically. He really did. You know, he. I'm sorry. I just don't. It's tough. We are really gonna. We're getting into it, isn't that? Yeah, we really are getting into it. They yeah. should, we should, really should call the show "Getting Into It." Uh, but I just want to clarify something for the listening audience. Turbo sure. is not a big man, but he's just really good at de-escalating things. You know? No, yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Well, you guys couldn't hear because Turbo doesn't have a mic or or, uh, or cans. You know. <laughs> And but he he leaned in and he was just like, you guys aren't each other's enemies. Yeah. And and there's no you have more in common than you think. You, you know what he's you know what he said a bunch of times. He yeah. goes, you guys are better than this. And yeah. you know what? It just it just deflates. It shamed me into yeah. Really I was like, I, I want to be better than this. So yeah, know? the soup. All right. Sorry. Yeah. You should have said, Mom, what we're doing these days, we're putting we're putting the salt on the table, Sands and then salt. people can put as much soup in salt in their soup exactly. as they want. It's like a coffee shop. They don't, you, they'll have the milk and the exactly. sugar for you because they don't want to get it. They're going to get it wrong. They mm. know they're going to get it wrong. So yeah. they leave it to you to get it wrong. Yeah. And so you're saying, so your father's abusive. Yeah. He threw a tantrum at dinner and oh, called yeah. mother a fool. Like, so that was like a regular thing. Did the abuse ever go above that kind of petty name calling? Or was it really just calling God, mom a I wish, fool? I wish I could say, I wish I could say that that was the case. But mm. I, uh, you know, I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but I, I started writing. When I was a child, mm. I would pull out little slips of paper and a little dirty little piece of lead <laughs> and scratch onto it, say Anton's big story. Mm. And then it would start. And, you know, my early stuff, the the big, <laughs> big soup, there's the big very simple. Soup. You know what I like? I like when it's just called what it's called. And mm. It would be like the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. and, uh, and he would burst into the room and he'd say, what are you doing? You know, why aren't you helping with the soup? I'd say, Father, I, I was just trying to write a little scratch, a little story out of my paper. And he would take it and he would rip it up <gasps> in front of me. Oh, my God. And he would carry it down to the kitchen. And he would shove all my brothers, a dozen brothers, out of the way. <laughs> and he would look at my eyes and he would not say anything. And he'd just crinkle, crinkle, crinkle and drop the torn up story into the soup. Oh my God. Wait, into and the then, soup? Into the soup. And oh then that, God. whenever he did that, the family wouldn't eat, just Anton. And I'd eat the whole pot by myself. He would force you to eat the your whole family story. would watch. Oh my God. Wow. Do you think there's anything to that? I'm sorry. I'd, <laughs> I was just bringing it up as just a random memory. But I think a really good therapist could probably connect the dots. Between that and at least your very first play, The Big Pot of Soup. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not that kind of doctor, so I, I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. But I mean, uh, a couple of years later, your mm-hmm. father has to declare bankruptcy. Hell yeah. He flees to Moscow, and then you're left behind of everyone in your family. You said dozens of brothers. Yeah. They all go to Moscow, and you are 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 given the task of... Uh, of selling all of your family's possessions. Yeah, it was right? uh, uh, peaks and valleys right next to each other. I, father's going to a debtor's prison. I was like, hell yeah, good for you, <laughs> asshole. And then it's like, and you have to liquidate all the assets. I was like, oh no. Well, I mean, that could have been fun, right? Don't you think? Like, uh, well, you know, I, you know, something occurs to me. You have all these dozens of brothers. Why didn't you ever write a play called The Brothers? Okay, well, Ooh. if ifs and ands were pots and pans, right. Jack Kerouac. I don't Three know. Three okay. sisters. Yeah. Right. Could have yeah. been dozen brothers. Could have been dozen. And brothers. I would have watched that play. 
Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. I just learned this from you, Jack Kerouac, yeah. how, you know, words can kind of have different meanings and layers. Yeah, exactly. Cherry orchard, uh-huh. right? Cherry orchard has like a lot of cherries in it. It can be a, yeah. Maybe the cherries represent siblings, you know? I haven't read the cherry orchard, so I don't know, but. You're in spinning distance of the meaning of the title, <laughs> I guess. I, so. I mean, that's close enough for this show. Uh, yeah, we all got our own close reads enough for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I think so. Let's, uh, well, unfortunately, we got to take a short break. Uh, so we'll be right back with Anton Chekhov and Jack Kerouac on Famous Dead People, and we'll really get to the bottom of this, uh, this, this, uh, this play, The Cherry Orchard, and what the hidden meanings are there. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioForBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century American poet and novelist, most well-known for his novel On the Road, Jack Kerouac. Hey there. And 19th century Russian playwright and short story writer famous for works such as The Seagull, Uncle Vanya, and The Cherry Orchard, Anton Chekhov. That's me. And the cherries, we've discovered, represented... The dozens and dozens yeah. of siblings so that Anton Chekhov had. during the break, we kind of hammered it out, and I think... Mm. Uh, we got to the bottom of it. We got to the bottom of it. I yeah. think it's definitely, yeah. It was... I, now that I think about it, it's about 12 cherries. Mm, 12 cherries. 12 cherries. It's 12 not cherry ex- trees. It's not cherry explicit cherry in the show. It's not explicit, but you, know, you kind of make up your own stuff. And I think, yeah, it was about... A family that grows and then eventually has to go away. You look at the actors on the stage and you see how thin they are and you see how how, uh, lackadaisical they're they're acting and you think, these people, they don't have enough food. They probably only have like 12 cherries. They probably only have 12 cherries to share between all of them. And then, of course, I look at them and I think, oh, God, these people don't have enough food. And my hand reaches (laughs) towards my soup book and I say, no, 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 no. No, 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 we are not. No, we're not doing that again. We are not doing that again. We will not stoop that. We've gone too far. Uh, but anyway, so now we've got a little bit of that off our chest. Yeah. We've cleared the air. Let's go back over to Jack Kerouac for just a moment. Sure. Uh, so 1943. Yeah. You are 21 years old. That's you joined the Navy. Yeah. Uh, but Oof. you only served for eight days. <laughs> what was that? I thought Chekhov. This sounds miserable. Uh, you you, you well, were not life, an Army man? My life was, uh, yeah, my life was misery. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I had to join the Navy. He was yeah. seeking it out, Anton exactly. Chekhov. Seeking out experience. Looking exactly. for it. Yeah. I want to get in. He wanted to get in the muck. He didn't exactly. want to just help you people. You were there for eight days? Eight yep. days. Eight days. Eight miserable days. You, you, you can't really like kind of dip in and dip out on those <laughs> things. So what happened at day eight? At day eight, I just said, uh, I just went to my uh, captain. I said, uh, Captain, I'm not really feeling this Navy thing. Mm. Uh, and surprisingly, he was okay with it. Uh, so, mm. just, I mean, in the middle, it was in the middle of World War II. And uh, was it? It was 1943. 1943. Yeah, I'm not a history major. Uh, I thought that war was right about over right about then, wasn't it? Am I sure. crazy? You were only there for eight days. So I was only there for not holding it against yeah. you if you didn't yeah, know that. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't was know it 1945? that. 1945. I'm an idiot. 1945 was yeah, I the end of the war. Yeah. Okay, so this was the middle of the war. Then. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was my bad, in my full bad. swing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, I'm I'm an artist, man. I'm not I'm not a fighter. Yeah. I'm not. A, I'm, I don't again. I reject all authority, right? Mm. And the Navy, all that, yeah, right? <laughs> he gets it. Anton gets it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Snaps. I reject all authority. So uh, I just just went and told them uh, I'm crazy. You're uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, That's what you exactly. said to them. Yeah. Interesting. I, I just I... feigned insanity. And I got a dishonorable discharge from the Navy. Now, the story that's on the Wikipedia is that you asked for an aspirin because you had a headache. Yeah. And they said, you have dementia. Get out of here. 
Yeah. And so you're saying that that was like an agreement that you had with your, what was it, your commander, your major or whatever? Yeah, exactly. My yeah. commander major. Your commander major. Yeah. Uh, and so you said, okay, so when I give you the signal, I'm going to ask you for an aspirin. And you're going to give me a diagnosis. discharge. Yeah, exactly. A diagnosis that gets me out of here. All right. right? Because seems- I can't, yeah. That seems pretty, uh, pretty, pretty loosey goosey for the pretty, military. It is, but uh, they could see that I was sort of uh, a square peg in a round hole. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Is so, that what the Navy was like back then? Were people like a lot more understanding in the Navy? They were. It in was. The 1940s? It was in the 40s uh, during World War II. It was a much gentler time than oh, it is now, and uh, kind of, yeah, like a lot of hugs. A lot mm, of uh, okay. just sort of like, how are you doing today? You how do people? I mean? I mean, you know, obviously we have a complicated relationship with um, uh, homosexuals and trans people that are trying to serve today. Right. Yes, was it different back then? Uh, basically, like we were all having sex with each other, but it was, oh, it was okay. yeah, it was just sort of a, a well kept secret. That and was just sort you of bailed after eight days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, too much or not enough, Jack. It was. <laughs> Just the right amount, but I could go back to New York. I mean, it's not like mm. I couldn't find sex other places. That's a good point. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So But you were like, you know, there's a there's a culture here. I don't like being told what to do. Right. The 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 sex that we are all having on these boats yeah. is dope. Yeah, it's and great. And I support it. Uh-huh. But I just don't like being told to swab the deck or exactly. I don't want to clean up afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly. That's when, that's, exactly the, yeah. that's when the practice of swabbing the deck started. That's why. Yeah, that's why we always swab. That makes that a lot deck. of sense. Yeah. No, that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's go back over to Anton Chekhov for just a moment. Okay. Uh, so you eventually join the rest of your family in Moscow. You begin studying medicine, yep. and you pay your way through medical school, writing short stories, humorous satires of life in Russia little, at the time. Little uh, funny little bits. Little funny little funny bits. Little bobs. Okay. Now I'm pretty familiar with your plays, mm. but I haven't read any of these satirical short stories. Um, but you describe them as, uh, I have written my stories the way reporters write up notes about fires mechanically, half consciously caring nothing about either the reader or myself. Is that a statement that you still stand by about your short satirical pieces? Jared, have you ever tried to write a short story while performing surgery? Oh, so you you got your, your brain's only half in it. So you really got to like get good at kind of firing these things off. I hadn't, I didn't know that there was something you were doing simultaneously how many hours are there in the day i had to i had to double up i triple up on these things i don't know i just figured that medicine was so not advanced back then that you could just kind of knock medical school out in a couple of couple of months or something uh, right? yeah, yeah it wasn't so what too. i was doing it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no writing i mean i'll just say like i agree that you know you got to get your writing done you know when you can mm. i was High as a kite whenever I wrote anything. I was on so much speed, you have no idea. I, I did read about yeah, that. I didn't even sleep. So um, Anton doing short stories while he's performing surgery, I get it, man. That like, makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That to makes me. sense. And yet you were able to be like funny and you're able to sort of like yeah, relate really things. Yeah, little little, oh, the mailman, what's his <laughs> deal? While you're cutting out a spleen. Mm-hmm. Something or, like that. But yeah. I was on drugs too. Let's not forget. Yeah, oh, I was on you? a lot of drugs. So yeah, uh, uh, Jack Kerouac, he was a drinker. He liked uh, the Bennies. Oh yeah, a right. Lot of, yeah, a lot of Benz and Benny's, and uh, what, what was I'm your? Sorry, uh, this is I had tuberculosis for most of my adult life, so it okay. was all m- pain numbing and. Oh, uh, so it was for your condition. Yeah, sorry. Right. I was med- I was oh. perfectly healthy, but uh, I just <laughs> what I really love booze. Uh, yeah, I just, and speed. I'm, and, and speed. speed, but yeah. really, dude, like, no, nah, I, I mean, I was a big alcoholic, mm. uh, still am, uh, and a heavy smoker. So all of my stuff was self-imposed. But mm. yeah, I'm sorry about your tuberculosis, man. That's, yeah, the tuberculosis that's that you yeah. got just because you were constantly with poor people healing their their illnesses and stuff. You know, it's really Christ-like when you put it like that. It really Jared. is. Yeah. I mean, you both died around the same age, like in your 40s. Yeah. And yours was kind of like Jack. You, you kind of did it to yourself. Oh, I totally did it. Twice. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Antoine, you died early because you were helping so many people. You know. Yeah. So you so know, you're we each have our same. thing. Jack. Basically, yeah. we're exactly basically the same. <laughs> I mean, sort of morally, uh, exactly the same. I'd say. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So let's go over some of these short stories, Anton, because I'm not 100 yeah. percent familiar with them. And so I want to hear about these these short stories, Great. these satires of Russian life. Funny little bits and bobs. All right. So this one was called the uh, the Horse Stealers. Great. What you was got that three about? Three men saying right. I, that horse over, over yonder. 
Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not using it for anything. They're not doing anything with it. It just sits and eats grass. We could run around. We could have a race. We could uh, we could uh, enter it into a horse race and make a little money. <laughs> and so uh, there's that story. That's a funny little bit in Bob about three men who who are learning how to make some sort of like big slingshot because they want to get into the horse pa- uh, pasture, you know, and ride that horse out of there. So they're gonna make a Bob. slingshot yep. to, to slingshot themselves, jump into the pasture and get the horse. Yeah, exactly. They throw the slingshot over the pasture and, and that slingshot a, the horse back out. That's a, a very satire. Funny, of Russian life very, well, at the time I mean, if you lived in Russia I mean, people it's not literally you know slingshot in the horse people who read it would be like oh, oh I get it horse is this like, is Russia it's, in it's the just he gets he's 1890s, just nailing it he's this is just, what it is it's funny because it's true uh, what about this story uh, the Swedish match what about the Swedish match two Swedes get them together and then they match Nothing was funnier in Russia than two Swedish people <laughs> finding each other because there weren't a lot of Swedes. Okay. So the idea of two Swedes together would be like, oh, well, what's going to happen? Oh, okay. So it'd be like, um, you know, seeing two things together that you wouldn't normally see because they're so uh, rare, if you will. Yeah, that's a good way of breaking it down. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And so next, <laughs> and people are just like reading that, like, can you believe seeing two Swedish people? People would read that and be like, oh, he's, he's touching on. He's underlining. It's <laughs> he's just sort of putting a pot. We all know it. I mean, we all know it, but mm. we, but we didn't know that we knew it until. Can I just he say, said, too sweet, uh, Mr. Chekhov, you're yeah. doing an excellent impression of an inarticulate Russian person at the time who can't express what you are so eloquently expressing. No, see, that's in, why I in your in. work. That's why I step in. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, last one that we should talk about um, uh, in Passion Week. In Passion Week, the satire of you guys Russian life. With Passion Week? In Passion Week, that's no. kind of like when you're pledging a fraternity. And <laughs> Somewhat, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's all sort of a coming of age ceremony. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, in Passion oh, okay. Week, and uh, it coincidentally takes place right around Easter, but uh-huh. you know, okay, not that important. The Passion it. of the Christ. Oh, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, it's, it's coincidence. I mean, okay, right? sure, it's crazy coincidence. I never yeah, thought yeah. about it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like they're completely unrelated, but they just happen to be happening at the exact same time. You know, people cross calendars all the time. I don't mm, know what happened, but um, okay. but yeah, no, Passion Week is sort of this rowdy sort of street fair, and uh, Tag and Raw, we'd all roll through the streets and and light our firecrackers and wave flags, mm-hmm. and uh, that story is about that. Okay, and then people read that and they're like, they're like, what, what a satire. The thing. Here's the thing. Oh my God. They say, here's the thing. They share with their friends. They say, have you seen this? <laughs> this is so you. When you read this, you're going to be like, oh, I feel, I don't only feel seen, I feel attacked. <laughs> it's kind of like that episode of Seinfeld where they're just in the Chinese restaurant. Ding, it's like, ding, yeah, ding, like, ding, exactly. Ding, like they, yeah, yeah, it's right. like, I'm just showing you what we all experience. Right. And, and, and it's like, oh my God. I totally get that. I didn't even think someone could write a short story about that. That is yeah, the definition exactly. of satire yeah. is I get it. I feel seen and attacked. Exactly. Uh, let's go back over to Jack Kerouac for just a moment. Sure. So I don't want to, this is not a gotcha show. Okay. Um, but I found out something incredible on your Wikipedia that you were involved in a murder in the 1940s. No, okay. 1944, okay. Right. a friend of yours, yeah. uh, Lucian Carr, uh-huh. he's being stalked by a man named David Kammerer. Uh-huh. And he claims that he had to stab David uh, out of self-defense. He throws the bottle in the river, and then you help him get rid of the knife and some of his, like, bloody accoutrement, like yeah, glasses exactly. and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, we all helped him get away with it. Okay, again, I'm not— I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, okay, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all God. helped him get oh, yeah, away yeah, with yeah, it? Yeah, it was, wow. me, it was me and Ginsburg, and I believe maybe uh, Hal Chase was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Yeah, it happened a while ago. It's uh, But, like, again, you said, like— Oh, you were you helped in a murder? No, 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 no. I helped in the murder cover up. Okay, that's completely <laughs> different. I helped him. So he stabbed this dude. You didn't do any stabs. I did. Yeah, all. I did no stabs. No Ginsburg stabs. did no stabs. Ginsburg did no stabs. The stabbing was all Lucian. Yeah, all mm-hmm. Lucian. Lucian put other? that knife up on the mantle, and at the end of the third <laughs> act, he stabbed David Camerer with it. Let no element go. Or unused. exactly, you can yeah. use that knife to chop up some veggies, throw it in the stew. No, we learned not. Everyone gets some soup at the end of the show. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, So I helped my friend uh, cover up a murder. That's what you do for a buddy. But you don't know what happened. You weren't there. All that you know is that your friend Lucian showed up. He's covered in blood. Yeah. And he has the knife with him. Yep. Even though he's gotten rid of the body already. Right, right, right. And he says to you, what... I'm assuming that, like, Ginsburg is there with yeah, you because, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not going to make multiple stops to, like, pick up other beat poets to help him cover up this murder. Yeah, we were both at the same time, and he just runs in with the with the knife, and I was just sort of like, 
oh, did you stab somebody? You know, I mean, those are the first words out of my mouth. I know it's like it's it's a little pedestrian, but that's what I said. Like, he yeah, had yeah. a bloody knife in it, and he's like, yeah, you know that guy, David Cameron, Cameron mm-hmm. from my hometown, who uh, keeps coming on to me. I stabbed him, uh, and y'all, I don't want to go to prison. Mm. Uh, so what are we gonna do? So did he ever say the word self defense to you, Jack Kerouac? He didn't. Oh my god! So he's just a murderer. Kind of. It's just a straight yeah. old murder. Yeah. You're just a, a really bit. good friend. Yeah, I am. <laughs> a I am. really good friend. <laughs> okay, to well, a fault, someone I would say. say. Too good. Yeah. Yeah, too good of well, a friend. I don't know. What would you guys... Okay, so you guys... I'm a glad friend you comes asked, to you. I think about this all the time. <laughs> so with a gun, it's different. But with a knife, if someone stabs... I, I, I Genuinely, let's brainstorm here. Because if someone if you know says, get rid of this knife... What did you do? Because people always just go like around the block and get rid of it. Why wouldn't you like get on a train to Philadelphia? Just get out of town. Mm, better just go yet, to some anonymous. Better yet, buy two train tickets. Right, one going in opposite directions. Go all out. You go one and yeah. you put the knife by itself, and then you exactly, on the other one exactly, and then not, the knife spare, is so far away from if everybody. You're, if you're covering up for a murder, like spare no expense. Like there's no <laughs> no cost is too great. To get away with it. Mm. Guys, is that what you did, Jack Kerouac? No, we threw it in the sewer. Oh, God. <laughs> it's it's very simple. Like, cops aren't going to drain every sewer in New York City looking for a knife. Did and they, if they did, they did do that? Did they drain the sewer? I, they looked, but you know, what they, <laughs> you know what they found? Several thousand bloody knives. Because it's New York City. A lot oh. of people stab people in New York City. Hidden That's the thing. in plain sight, that exactly. knife was. Pretty much. So we threw it in the sewer. Better yet, throw it into a knife store. Right, guys? Yeah. Throw it into a knife store. The last place <laughs> someone would look for a knife that's already been used. Yeah, that's right. For a new knife, that's I, where you go. I just can't get over the fact that Lucian went through all that trouble to get rid of the body, but still had the murder weapon on him. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you get rid of the knife also? Hey, man, you know? he was a little uh, shaken up because he just murdered somebody. Mm. So he wasn't really thinking clearly. He's like... I need some help because it's like if you're you're moving apartments and you, you're bringing in a new couch and you bring your friend over after you've brought the couch over <laughs> just to open the door into the apartment. It makes sense. It does make sense. I'm with yeah. you guys on this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you know. You see, guys, why I'm like the king of metaphor and allegory. <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't clear before, you it's truly are the father of modern theater. I can see it both in your faces. You were like, "That's so." It's on it, point. It, it, it's on point. That is a. That's a bip oh. and a bop. That's mm-hmm. that's just that's a, a comedic. That is a bop. satire of contemporary American life. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah. So then you're in jail. Oof. You get your girlfriend to bail you out of jail by promising to marry her. Is that right, Jack Kerouac? Yeah. That seems like it wouldn't work. It's a little shady. Because a girl's uh, like, well, I don't want to marry you if you're in prison for uh, accessory to murder, right? I'm a handsome guy. I'm mm. not I'm not going to lie to you. You know what? I think all three of us are pretty good looking dudes in here. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I'll give it up. But um, I mean, it was a different time. You know, you could promise you could promise marriage and that just meant something. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was a thing. That was yeah. the only way that girls can get to the house back then. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Mm. Um, but she had been like kind of dropping a lot of hints and i was like you know okay she's thirsty a little yeah a little bit she's a little thirsty for the kerouac and i was um i just said come up with some bail money and yeah we'll head down to uh did you have the ring on you in in prison no i didn't uh, i had to, that would have been that would have been pretty baller that would have <laughs> in retrospect that would have been amazing just slip mm-hmm. it on her finger and be like mm-hmm. baby let's so she had to go get the bail money in order to bail you out yeah in, in order to uh, s- snap off a piece of that Caraway. Exactly. You say buy yourself a wedding ring while you're at it. I and did. Then I'll yeah. put it on your exactly. finger. Uh, and when I'm out, because they don't let you bring rings into jail, you mm. know. So uh, I was like, you just yeah. hand me the hand me the ring. I'll get down on one knee, and, and then we'll do and it. We'll do it. Oh, I'm glad this story uh, had a happy ending at least. I mean, we, we, the marriage didn't last, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but you got out of jail. But I got out of jail. Hell yeah, yeah. bros. Yeah. Why got out of don't jail. they let you have rings in prison? Because mm-hmm. uh, you can anything that can be used as a weapon. Yeah, you know? anything can be used. You can you can kill somebody. with You could strangle yeah, somebody you if you put the ring up on the hearth. Yeah, in Act One. You're gonna have to use it to. <laughs> you're gonna have to use to kill somebody yeah, by the end. In Act Three, uh, you're speaking my language. James. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 19th century Russian playwright Anton Chekhov, that's me, and 20th century American poet Jack Kerouac. Beat down to my socks. Uh, let's get back over to uh, Anton Chekhov for just a moment. So, uh, in 1887. 
Uh, theater manager commissions you to write your first play. Here we go. This is obviously not the first first play that we no, talked no, no, about. No, no. This is like your first, first commission to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's called Ivanov. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what Ivanov is about. Um, it really, I didn't really look into it on the Wikipedia. Um, but according to the Wikipedia, you found the experience of putting on this play sickening and the production chaotic. Yeah. The play was a hit, though, and praised as a work of great originality, which I have to assume was a surprise for you. I really right? thought I was just peeling it off. They were like, we'll give you, whatever, 50,000 rubles mm-hmm. to, to sort of knock this off. And I was like, I think I, well, I know it, Poe. <laughs> people like, you know, people like when they do the, you know, oh, we found all the gold and mm-hmm. we get a bunch of hats. This is Ivanov? Ivanov yeah, is about... we know the, well, you know, not literally that, but the kind of kind play of that people like. And then they, uh, people took it as being this very sort of nuanced, ironic, <laughs> you know, uh, sharp thing. And I said, mm-hmm. well, well, I mean, I didn't really, I, okay. I Was mean, it if you, if you like a little it. bit like Sharknado where everybody's like, oh, it's funny because it's like camp and they're doing it on purpose. And the Sharknado people are like, oh, exactly yeah. Exactly like Sharknado. Yeah. It was all that run of sci-fi original channel <laughs> movies where they eventually lean into it. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, what they actually like that we're doing this in such a campy way. So I kind mm-hmm. of did that where then I eventually like, oh, they like this sort of cheeky, ironic, uh, uh, happy then sad then happy you know, then sad. You know, that's what the I room okay. kind of sounds like a Chekhov play. Like that's the, right. It, right. Like a, you could have written The Room. I enjoyed I, yeah. it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Room yeah. is, uh, yeah, I, I can see there, there's definitely a link up there. Um, but I'm wondering what, what the, the production was like that you found the experience so sickening like like, what exactly was it that made you think this is chaos, this experience is sickening? I don't okay. like this. Here's what I don't... Here's top five... No, top one thing I don't <laughs> like about theaters, theater directors, theater actors, mm-hmm. is that um, everybody keeps their shoes on. They keep their shoes the theater, So they on. can run... Everywhere. Oh, I have all these buckets. Where do I need to? I need to put them down. Oh, I have this. I have those. Excuse me with the ladder. Anton oh, script, 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 script. You hated that people who were working on the show had their shoes on. I hated what that led to, which was a total <laughs> lack of abandon for for any kind of. You know, there was just. It was not a calm moment throughout the entire thing mm. because you were never had the moment of, oh, we're fully coming to a stop. We're kicking off our slippers. We're sitting down. We're taking a look at the script. No, it was always back and forth, back and forth. Back we're not giving ourselves the, a moment to breathe no. and be in the moment. No. And just enjoy the fact that, guys, we're all putting on a play together. It's crazy right? show business. And we're just rushed, rushed, well, rushed. We've got to learn our lines. We've got we to gotta figure out who's going to move the set pieces, Exhausting. blah, blah, blah. And Exhausting. you didn't like that. You thought that was gross. No, I think it's gross. And I uh, uh, ever since then, I, I moved to the country and I kicked mm-hmm. off my slippers and I stayed there until I died from <laughs> blood coming out of my lungs and uh, Let's just not, hold on spoiler, spoiler alert I know we don't want to we don't want to uh, put the cart before the horse here uh, so then in 19 in 1896 your play the seagull premieres now we're cooking with in St. Petersburg now we're starting and it soon. was sort of like the opposite like it was a fiasco the play was booed by the audience it's not my fault that people are stupid because yeah. I delivered exactly what was the good version of the thing that they thought they liked mm-hmm. okay whatever and so whatever. everybody hates it uh, but yes. there was this one director who liked it and he convinced a colleague a guy named Stanislavski to direct a second production and everybody loves that production same script it's two like, different two different productions. Uh, I, it, that, this is this is what I'm talking about. Chaos. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's, it's not like the days where it would just be. Oh, here's a story called the elephant. It's about an elephant. Mm-hmm. Satire of modern Russian life. Scoop into the newspaper. Zoop. Everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sharing with their friends. Oh, this is so you. Oh, this is so you. I feel seen. I feel attacked. People are going up to their friends and they're going, "I like this. I like this. I this is I liked a it. thing that's good." And to I'm me. sharing it here with you. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is a modern elephant, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, so that was that's all that's all Anton, you know? That's mm-hmm. all in control. That's I'm 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 holding it cupped in two hands. I can release whatever I want. Gotcha. Just play stuff. You just, everybody is getting their hands in the soup pot. And <laughs> and and there's just no measures. I can't do if it's going off the rails, I can't do anything about it. A totally different director, mm. totally different cast, same play. This does this something like it? What is this? Yeah. The Big Bang? You hate this. Yeah. You're like, I can't believe this. It, the, my work can either be good or bad depending on who directs it. Kind and, of depending on whether I say it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that ex- that whole experience, Anton Chekhov sa- is saying thumbs down. Yeah. 
All right, that's fair. That's completely fair. You know, or the way you would say it, I would be like, "Oh, this this boo boo is out of shape, <laughs> and it's time to take the Splitsville rail car uh, back uh, to back my, to Nowheresville, putting the that's, street light in the coffee cup." Yeah, yeah, that's a. Literally how I would have said it. Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. I told you. I read the first couple pages of the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby pants, I am putting the chair leg all the way to Toledo. <laughs> that means something, right? Yeah, yeah. That, exactly. I, right? Okay. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. I mean, I'm glad that you were able to see past the problems of the production enough to continue writing plays because everybody likes the play so much. Yeah. Uh, let's go back over to Jack Carroll for just a moment. So... Let's talk about your seminal work, sure. On the Road. Yes. A largely autobi- uh, autobiographical novel which describes your road trip adventures with a man named Neil Cassidy. Yeah. You wrote the book in 20 days in an uppers-fueled uh, uh, frenzy mm-hmm. in the early 1950s. But because of the sexual content and drug use, you had trouble finding a publisher until 1957. Obviously, we are a lot more liberal with the sexual content and drug use in today. You can, you can see that on CBS if you want. Yeah, you know? exa- yeah, definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that was in your original draft that the publishers in the 1950s were like, oh, this is too scandalous. We could go to jail. We could get protested, blah, blah, blah. Well, basically any sex at all. I was having I had sex and I talked about it in the book uh, and I did drugs and I talked about it in the book and uh, publishers were just. Yeah, they were scandalized. Can we get a little was, taste of that? Like, uh, so, Jared. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Anton Chekhov, this is what we do on the show. Anton Chekhov. Yeah, I thought this was a therapy talk. Show. <laughs> now, we're, now we're unpacking. It can be. Okay. It all right, can all right, be. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, let's so, get a little taste of again, this uh, scandal that was on the road back then. Script us into the Navy, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm on the road, right? And mm-hmm. I go. I'm on the road, which is why I called the book on the road. On the road. Um, cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, damn. It has it has two meanings. And I At go least. out to Denver, where Neil Cassidy is from. And he's got this girlfriend. She's really attractive. Mm-hmm. I want to sleep with her. And we made it happen. And I, it was just sort of, we were just like. You and her or you and Neil? Well, let's be honest. I wanted to have sex with Neil. Uh, I think I just, I definitely had homosexual feelings towards uh, my good buddy. Neil oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought. But okay, I didn't. Never, I, yeah. No, I don't think we ever, we never did. But uh, yeah, I, and. I had sex but I mean, with, his, how, with his girlfriend. You weren't being graphic, were you? You were like, I had sex with her, or was it like my erect Johnson was going all up in her slippy, slippery vagina? Well, did you read the first draft? That's uh, the, yeah, that's that's, that's the first draft. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my okay. my erect Johnson went up in her slippery vagina, and Jack Kerouac. That's what I'm asking you about. Yes. I want to know what was in the book that publishers were freaking out about. My erect Johnson went up in her <laughs> slippery vagina, and. <laughs> and, then, and the drug use was also like I was smoking reefer, and it was I, you know, I smoked, I smoked some reefers. Mm-hmm. I, I rolled a joint, mm. I lit the joint, I smoked it, inhaled the joint, and exhaled the joint. Can I be a publisher um, just real quick? Yeah, and be like, you can't write. I smoked the joint in a book, and I was like, but that's real, man. <laughs> okay, that's so real. I. I this is going to be a little bit hypocritical because I know I am renowned as the father of a mood-based mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, subtext. Theater of mood. You know, infused largely plotless plays, but <laughs> you, there's got to be something more to hang your hat on than that, right? What's the What happens after that? No, is the whole book just, I assume. I think the next, have you read the next book? chapter, you have sex again. I have sex again. Chapter after that, you do more oh drugs. Oh, my God. Guys, uh, travel re- to another I, place, again, do some more drugs, have some more sex. That's that's the book, okay? <laughs> you know what? I know you guys haven't read it. It can get a little monotonous sometimes. I read sometimes. it in high school. Yeah, really I have forgotten it. Like and, and exa- yeah, you do forget a lot. But it's mm-hmm. basically, yeah, I go from town to town. Either with Neil or looking or Dean, I call him Dean in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go with Dean. I'm either looking for Dean or traveling with Dean, just trying to find life, man. Just trying and to find life. Just trying and to find God. life and God and mm. meaning and all of it. And yeah, along the way, I smoked reefer, and mm-hmm. then I went to another town and smoked reefer and tried to have sex with another girl. And Knowing because did- your plays, Anton Chekhov, they mm. were you know. 
they, they you know they, they could be a little plotless a little a little slow a lazy a lazy flow down the yeah, river hangout place you yeah. know does it bother you to know how much less could have happened in your stuff i would have just looking I, at how popular jack kerouac stuff you could have done even less i, really, even I your really genuinely <laughs> would have had a four act structure around mm-hmm. someone puts puts a gun on the mantle mm-hmm. looks around for tea bags can't find them for four acts takes the gun off shoots themselves Mm. Oh, I would, it would have been a hit. I did not play Jack yeah. Kerouac. Yep, it would right. have been. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. You know, we're just three good-looking dudes. We're gonna get out of here. We're gonna smoke some reefer. Oh boy. We're gonna yep. take our erect Johnsons. My and we're lungs gonna are not gonna be able to handle it. Put them in some. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you some edibles. Thank Anton you, Anton Chekhov. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good idea. Give me those gummies. Give Definitely. him those gummies. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Jack Kerouac and Anton Chekhov, for joining me in the studio today. Thank you for having us. One final question. I know it's a little weird. Do either of you have any uh, comedy shows or Twitter accounts or anything or podcasts that you're really big fans of that you want to tell people about? Uh, Antoine Chekhov, anything you want to tell people about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I'm a big fan of, well, I'm not on Twitter much, but when I am, uh, I'm, I'm smashing the like and retweet on, uh, <laughs> let's see if I can remember this correctly. It's at Graham Techler, but it's at... At GR8H8M underscore T3CHL3R. It's really easy to remember and mm. it's just going to be, uh, it's going to go down real smooth. Whoever came up with that Twitter handle did not think they were going to have to plug it on the air. Nope. They thought they were just going to have to write it. Well, that's to others. It's not my concern, not my Twitter <laughs> handle. So, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And then a comedy show that you got to, if you're, if you're interested in theater of the mood, mm. you got to get out to UCB Hell's Kitchen. On the uh, second to last and last Thursday of the month for uh, Characters Welcome. If anything in New York is maintaining the spirit and integrity of Russian uh, 19th <laughs> century and early 20th century uh, dramatic literature, it's it uh, Characters Welcome, Welcome at UCB at Hell's UCB. Kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jack Kerouac, anything you want to tell people about? Yeah, uh, actually, I also have a, a blog that that I like to re- that I like to read with a, another great name. It's called uh, Actually It's Rob Dot com. So the words actually, it's Rob Penty, D-O-T-O-R-G dot com. Mm. Uh, I enjoy reading that blog quite a bit. Sounds very uh, dope. Yeah. And I also, uh, there's a storytelling show that I like to go see, uh, which is like kind of like uh, the beat get togethers that we would do in the 50s. Uh, just people just talking about their <laughs> lives, man. Hiding murder weapons. Exactly. Hiding murder weapons. Johnson's. <laughs> Smoking reefers, slippery vaginas. Exactly. You're going to hear stories all about, all like that. Hell uh, yeah. Hell yeah. In your own words at the Magnet Theater. Uh, The next one is June 27th at 8.30. That's a Thursday. You should come and check that out. Uh, A lot of great performers on that one. And uh, check out uh, Sexy Baby at the Magnet Theater on Wednesdays. Sounds awesome. I am your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. If you're listening to this on the radio, find the podcast. We've got all the old episodes on there. You can listen at your leisure, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Check out my YouTube channel. I'll be putting up some videos there soon. If you have any questions that you want to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We will try to have them on as soon as we can. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 